Well, it is so good to be together and to see um, us all preparing for Christmas, to see the church decorated and uh, to see the lights going up and the trees up. How many of you have gotten your Christmas decorations already up? You're all done. You're all done. If you're done, raise your hand. You're close to done. All right. How many of you are still like not there yet? Not there yet. All right. Okay, all right, all right, we're still, okay, you still got some time, you got a little bit of time, but, but we're ready, we're in the Christmas season, we're here, and, and, and there's no better place than to celebrate Christmas, than to be uh, in the house of the Lord with God's people, in the place where we are, as I, as I shared with our leaders this morning, we are entrusted as the church, as the people of God, we are entrusted with the story, with the gospel message to share that hope. That is, that is at the core of who we are as the people of God throughout the generations to share this hope with each and every subsequent generation and to pass that on. And yesterday we shared uh, here a celebration of life for Mary Rhodes, just about 95 years old, has been a part of Meadow Park her entire, <laughs> entire life from, from the start here of the church. And, and um, when I think about a legacy of faith that was passed down and is continuing to be passed down from generations, we just celebrate that. And, and it's our turn to take, carry the torch, and each generation to carry that torch, and, and we are doing that together. When it came to Christmas and thinking about, all right, what are we going to talk about, and how are we going to approach this season, uh, I remember hearing somebody saying, you know, you know, and we plan you know, weeks and months ahead of time, and just this idea that, that our world is, is just in need of hope, that there's uh, so much that's been going on, and that we just need some hope, and as I processed about how do we share about hope and what God wants to do, the lines from the song, Oh Holy Night, you guys like that song, Oh Holy Night? It's one of the most powerful, worshipful songs of Christmas. And there's a line in that song that says, uh, oh, th- uh, um, a thrill of hope, right? But it says, a weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And that phrase, a weary world rejoicing, and I think that just captures where we are. I think we're a weary world that needs to rejoice, that longs to rejoice. And then I think that this was written back in the mid-1800s in a small town in France and thinking, they were thinking back then in the 1850s, a weary world <laughs> needs to rejoice. And the reality is, yes, the world and life continues to be weary, and we need to find places to rejoice and to renew. And the story of Christmas and the hope and the promise of Christ's coming is that renewal. And we need that annual reminder as we come into the, the holiday season of, of the story, of the hope that's there. And if it's not there, and if we forget to tell the story, If we forget why it's here, we will lose and we will miss out on that hope. And the reality is our world is weary. We are weary. And so today what I want to talk about is how do we move from weary to wonder? How do we move from weary to wonder? If we're we're feeling weary, if we're, we're feeling tired, how do we get to that place of wonder and hope and promise? How many of you guys are weary? Anyone weary? Anyone willing to acknowledge that, that you're weary? Weariness is, and weariness is actually interesting because weariness is more than just being tired, isn't it? I mean, you can be tired, and then you take a nap, and you get some rest, and then you, you feel renewed again. But weariness goes deeper. Weariness is, is an exhaustion. There's just a depletion. You're just, you're just worn out. You don't have the, the energy, not just even if you get a good night's rest. That's not even enough. You, you, you need more. And it's just because you've been worn down, and, and things have just been, been hammering us. And we look at our world, we look at what's going on around us, and we understand why. And then you look, at, um, you look at the season, and we're making up for lost time. Last year, remember when we had to like, cancel all kinds of stuff the, the, in churches and parties and gatherings? And, and there was some disappointment for a lot of folks last year, a lot of disappointment. This isn't Christmas. It doesn't, we're not doing all that stuff. But didn't some of you say, like, this was kind of a nice Christmas last year? Wasn't there a part of that, too? It was a little bit slower. It was a little bit quieter. And it was like... Man, we got to hold on to that. 
And now we fast forward the clock a year later, and we are like doing double time from life. We're making up for lost time, and now we're just running, and, and everything's going, and it's wonderful, and it's great, but it's adding to that weariness. It adds to that tiredness. And then you put that all together, and we feel the, the effects of that weariness. We look at the, the world around us, right? Think about almost two years. We're approaching two years of this pandemic, and, and all the changes and all the challenges that have come. All of the, the, the medical advice and, new, you know, and masks and no masks and shots and vaccines and, and hospitalizations and deaths. And I just had a good friend of 59 years old just die of COVID this, this uh, week ago. And you, just, you, you were still faced with that reality of grief and loss. All the political upheaval and all of the contentiousness and all of the back and forth and, and some of that invading our homes and our families around the Thanksgiving table and at Christmas. And, and, and we feel that weariness, the great resignation People assessing what it's all about and what do we do with our work and with our life and are we happy, are we content? I think that's all a result of weariness, so much that is, that is weighing on us. And then I think about us, and I think about what are the effects on us as individuals, not just as a society, but, but how is weariness affecting you? How is it affecting me? Well, first we can say physically, if you're weary, you're just exhausted, you're just drained. Maybe you're lethargic and you just kind of go like, I just don't seem to have the energy to engage in anything significant. I just, I'm just done. And you begin to kind of pull back and, and disengage. Or you think about mental weariness. Again, all the different ways that, that weariness affects us. Mental weariness, you know, maybe you just have decision fatigue. I can't think about another, like, gift exchange and what I'm supposed to bring. And is this funny for the white elephant gift exchange? Is this good enough? And what do I get? And how are they going to like it? And, and this party and that party and which food to bring? And mental weirdness. You're just, you're just tired. You can't think through much anymore. And that mental weirdness also leads to an emotional weirdness where, where you're just getting short with people around you, right? When you don't have the reserves. All of a sudden, the things that normally just aren't a big deal, and you kind of snap. You snap at your kids. You snap at a spouse at a coworker, at a store clerk who's trying their best being shorthanded, <laughs> trying to get through, at the car that cut you off. Normally, maybe, maybe it's like, oh, no big deal, go ahead. Now it's like you're angry because you're weary and you're tired. And there's a social weariness. Oh, not another get-together. I can't people anymore. Anyone ever been there? I just can't people anymore. I can't put on the fake smile and, and, and have another conversation, you know, and then you kind of go, it, it's, it's just too much. Weariness sets in in so many different ways, mental, emotional, physical, social. We just don't have it in us anymore. And then we, we, start, we start doing things that, that try to self-medicate. and we, we overeat. We overspend. We overdrink. We oversleep. We overdo these things. And, and we, we lean into the things that aren't helpful because we're trying to, trying to solve an inner tension, an inner dissatisfaction. And those are the effects of weariness. And if we don't deal with the effects of, of weariness, it's going to impact us. And ultimately, spiritually, when we're weary in all these different areas, it's really hard to receive anything from God. It feels really hard to open our hearts and our spirits, and we start wondering about our own faith. And we go, it's Christmas, and, and do we even feel and experience the awe and wonder of Christmas? I've got nothing left. And even when if, and all these other weariness factors settle in, then it's like, well, maybe, maybe I don't even have it to go to church today. And then that leads to one Sunday and two Sundays. I'll just watch online and, and I'll catch it there. And, but then we don't even catch it on Sunday you know, morning. And I'll watch it later in the week. And then we don't watch later in the week. It's just another week. And well, okay, it's just it's one service. It's just, you know, no big deal. But what begins to happen after a while is it's you're not being filled and in the place where God can fill you. But not just that, you're, you're disconnecting with other people. 
And you wonder, why don't I feel that connection with others that can bring me hope? Well, I'm not there, I'm not present, or I'm not in a, in a small group, in a community group anymore. I'm not connecting with others. I'm not serving, and all of a sudden, you feel spiritually, the weariness begins to pull you back too. And it's a vicious, negative cycle. And we're in a place where our weary world needs to rejoice. But when we're weary, we lose the wonder. And that's why we can approach Christmas and go, where's the wonder? Where's the joy? Where's the excitement? Because we're weary. And wasn't it refreshing even just to, to, to begin our worship service? I could just feel it as we were all here and just to sing that song, Joy to the World. It was, so, it was for me like, ah, this is, this is what Christmas is. This is us together singing and experiencing that. And if we're weary, we can lose that wonder. So today I want to talk about how do we not lose that wonder? How do we move from weary to wonder? And I think that first Christmas and Christmas as a whole can just capture that for us. So let's go into that, that story and just think about that first story of Christmas. And, and you can read about it in, in Luke chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And if you just think about that scene, I think it's a weary world at that time. It's a weary world. Even the story of Christmas, as we hear it told, sometimes we idealize it. But it was really born out of the reality of everyday life. There was a decree that was put forth by, the, by Caesar to say that, that there's going to be a census of the entire region and the land. And everyone had to return to their ancestral hometown. And so I think that began the holiday travel rush right there. I mean, that was it. I mean, is, is that this time... From that day forward, everyone at Christmas had to go to mom and dad's house or to their house and host the party. And so people were just crisscrossing everywhere to get back to their hometown. And as we know, travel can be a pain. And I'm sure during that time, it wasn't any easier than now. We're complaining about air travel, but they're trying to, you know, hop on a mule, nine months pregnant, right? Going to Bethlehem from Nazareth, Mary and Joseph. There's families that have hitched a wagon and they're going across and all of a sudden the wagon wheel breaks and you got to fix it. Kids asking back then like they do now, are we there yet? I mean, I'm sure that was just born, bred into the, the kids from that day on. And, 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 and then they arrive, and now they're coming, and, and it's families coming together from all different times. They're meeting together. They're having reunions again. And same thing, there's going to be joys, and there's going to be challenges. And I bet you they talked about religion and politics, right? Oh, man, that... That, that Caesar, that, why are we doing a census? Why do we have to travel and do all this stuff? Oh, that Roman occupation of, of our land. If we could just have our freedoms, their immorality and their laws all over us. And, and, and if, if Caesar and, and King Herod, if they would just get out of our hair. And they're talking politics. Oh, but there's a benefit of the Romans. They're, they're providing us roads and other infrastructure. You know, who, I mean, they're having these conversations, right? And they're going back and forth. And they're probably talking about religion, too. You know, thinking about oh, those, those Pharisees and those Sadducees. I'm so glad I don't live in Jerusalem and, and we come from out of town. We don't have to deal with some of that. Or, or maybe they're thinking about um, just some of the, the laws and the regulations. And maybe they're wondering about, come on, are we still really believing this? It's been 400 years since we last heard from the prophets and, or from, through God's word. And we're still holding on to this, this hope and some believing it and some saying the Messiah is going to come, the Savior will come. And others saying, come on, get with the times. That stuff is old, old mythology. There's no, no such thing. And, and they're having these conversations. And it's just life. Life and it's weariness and it's, and it's weighing on them. And there's shepherds that are out in the field, right? And they're working and it's late at night and they're tired. They're on third shift. Everyone, anyone ever worked third shift, right? I mean, they're out there and when they're working, everyone's sleeping. And when everyone's sleeping, they're working and, and uh, they're around smelly sheep and dealing with stuff. It's just weariness. It's life that was happening. But beyond just the everyday life, there's this, there's this super meta-narrative of the story where 
where again, there's been the silence for 400 years, even as we read in Scripture, between the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think this line in, in, in the song, too, O Holy Night, is this powerful line, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Let's just lean into that, that, that line right there. The world is just long laying. It's just this long period of time and, and, and stuck in sin, pining, just kind of wasting away, just kind of waiting for something. And I think we can still be in that place today where, the long, where we are in this world that's long in sin and error pining. And, and maybe, you know, for those that don't know Christ, that don't have this hope and, and kind of are looking for truth and here and there and this latest theory and that thing, there's no anchor in life, no hold. And wondering, what's, what's this all about? Where does this go? What does this lead to? Is there anything, is there any hope? Is there any salvation? Is there any, what about my guilt? What about my shame? Is there any resolve for that? And, and, and all this discontent and struggle and frustration that can take place. Those that know Christ, we can still be long and sin and error pining. We can still be in a place where, where maybe like some of those, those, those Christians in that first story or the, the followers of, of, of the Old Testament and the, that, were, that were waiting for the Messiah. We can grow weary in waiting and wondering when's it going to happen and is it going to happen. And we're doubting and we're struggling and we're wondering what does this all lead to. We grow weary. We grow restless. So how do we move from weary to wonder? How do we make that shift? Because we don't want to be in that place, and Christmas allows us to do that. So I want to talk about three shifts that we can make to move from weary to wonder. That I really believe if we hold on to one or two or three of these, they're really going to allow us to, to experience the wonder of Christmas. And I'm going to lean into the shepherd's story a little bit more. Remember, the shepherd's out on the fields at night watching their sheep, right? They're out in the, uh, outside the city in, um, in, in Bethlehem, outside of the city, uh, proper, and they're, they're guarding their sheep, and they're out there. And so we, um, the first point I want to make here is to move from, from weary to wonder. If we want to experience that, we need to learn to be still. We need to learn to be still, taking the time to rest. Luke 2, 8 to 9 says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. I wonder if God chose the shepherds to reveal himself and to allow that weariness to turn to wonder in them because they were quiet enough. Yeah, granted, they were working and it was out there and it was cold, but they were still enough because you, you almost contrast that scene out in the hills where the shepherds were to the busyness of Bethlehem where we read there was no room for them, right, for, for Mary and Joseph. I mean, there was a lot of activity, a lot of craziness happening. And God chose to reveal himself to the shepherds that we're out on the fields, away from the noise, away from the crowds. And I think if we're going to experience the wonder of Christmas, we need to get out of the hustle and bustle and the craziness. And by the way, do you notice we never use the terms hustle and bustle outside of the holidays? Think about that for a moment. They only happen during Christmas. We never talk about, man, this summer I was hustling and bustling. You never say that. But at Christmas, you can hustle and bustle. But, um, because there's something busy about that season. And, and it's in those times that we don't, encounter God in the same way. We need to learn to be still, to be quiet, and ultimately to find our rest and renewal in Christ, to find our peace and our rest in him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
We're running around, we're tired, we're exhausted, we're weary, and we're trying to find it in more and more and different things and distracting ourselves when Jesus is saying, just slow down. Come to me, be still. Let me carry your burdens, let me give you rest. If we want to experience wonder and get past our weariness, we need to be still. Practically, maybe you need to take a nap, quite literally. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe just pause, take a nap, get some sleep, let your physical body re- renew so that you can engage what, what is in front of you. But find that rest in different ways. Turn off the TV, shut the phone off, turn off the, all the Christmas music you always have going, even though it's beautiful, but create a moment of silence and stillness. Maybe just staring at the tree, sitting at home, opening up the Bible and just reading the Christmas story or just thanking God for what you have and just find those moments in the midst of everything else and be still and rest in Christ. And when you do, when you are still, when you slow down enough, you will see weariness begin to move towards wonder because you're able to receive it and experience. Not only being still, but the second point is this. The second point is to be present. Be present. Embrace the moment. I talked with our staff the, this past week because we were looking at our calendar, and even as you hear some of, you know, as we share what's coming up, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things to do. And, and, and we're mostly responsible for planning a lot of that stuff and filling the calendar and putting it all in there. And it's like, can't we just do Christmas Eve and that's it, right? But, but we, we want to do these different things for a reason. There's a purpose. There's something behind that that's important. And we can get in that frame of mind where it's like, can we just get through the next thing? You guys know what I'm talking about? You planned something, you had that party, you wanted everyone over, and all of a sudden the party is just the thing you got to get through. How do we do that? I mean, why do we even plan it in the first place if all we want to do is to get through it? But we need to be present, to be in the moment and see what God wants to do in those moments. Look at, look at the shepherds. Luke 2. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. What did they do? They wanted to be present. One, they were present when the angels showed up, and they didn't have much of a choice, right? The heavens open, and glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to all who God favors, right? You're, today, the, the Savior has been born in Bethlehem. I mean, that was pretty amazing. They didn't have a choice to be present. But they were given the news about where to find the Messiah. And if they chose not to be present, you know, imagine if the shepherds had said, ah, uh, that's good news, thank you, but I really don't want to get the sheep back to the pen, I mean, you know, they've spread all over. We can't just leave them out here. We've got we to take the time. We've got to put them back. Then we've got to lock them up. And then we've got to hoof it all the way back into Bethlehem. And then once we get to Bethlehem, we don't even know. All we know is a baby's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Well, congratulations, every baby's wrapped in swaddling clothes. How do we know it's going to be the Messiah? Am I just going to randomly knock on doors? By the way, it's the middle of the night. Um, no, I mean, they, they could have given every reason not to participate. But what they experienced was so powerful that they said, I need to go. I need to go. Let's go. Let's see this thing that has happened. And they took the initiative to go and to do that. And they didn't, I don't think, just approach it with, let's just get it over with. You know, and sometimes, I mean, that's what gets you to where you need to be. But, but look, what, look what happened. We read in Luke 2, 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger right they they went and now we see the shepherds there present in that place in that moment worshiping God in that in that in that way I think when you think about all the things that are on your calendar I know for me this is probably one of the busiest weeks coming up a lot of things happening and and again is it just going to be a week to get through so we can get to the other side or do we just take one thing at a time can you take one activity, one event, one Christmas party at a time? Our party is just to get through, you know, to avoid people and to get home as early as you can. <laughs> or can you say, you know what, I want to be present. 
God, what do you want to do in this moment? Who needs my encouragement? Who can I be generous with my time? Whose story can I hear? How can we sit down and laugh and, and really fill, be filled? We had a party at our house with the pastors and directors from the church this past week. And on top of every, everything else, you go, it's another night, another party. You know, why are we doing this and, and, and getting together? And we're so glad we did. In, with all the stress of getting everything ready, but in those moments, we laughed so hard, we were crying, and we had so much fun. It was just so renewing, and it was so life-giving, and if we don't take those time and those moments to, to be present, we're going to miss out. I think, about, um, I think about the things that we have planned for the church. You know, a holly jolly Christmas car parade. Ah, you know, just, just skip that one. No, don't. <laughs> Come, have some joy, bring the kids, bring some neighbors, and just get to be a part of the moment of experiencing some live nativity and the kids playing and Christmas and be caught up in that season. We want to do that for the kids and for families and for others to just experience the joy that Meadow Park is a part of celebrating the season. If you're grieving and if you're hurt and you're, you're going, ah, it's hard to celebrate this Christmas, I don't even want to come out to that Thursday night, you know, hope and healing service. No, 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 Come. This is for you. This is why we create the space and place so that you can acknowledge that hurt and pain before God, that you can come into a place to receive healing and hope. This is for you. The different gatherings that we have, Christmas Eve and so on, and the Sunday mornings, make this a priority to say, you know, when everything else is going on, we're going to carve out space here where we're going to worship. We're going to come into God's word. We're going to celebrate and hope and pray that God would renew and restore us during this time. We need to move Towards wonder, And when we are present in the moment, we take that stuff from weariness and we realize we're here and those moments can actually renew us and fill us when we don't let them overwhelm us. The third piece, be awed. Let worship spark wonder. There's something about being awed, being in this place where, where we are just overwhelmed with, with what is happening. Luke 2, verse 17, the shepherds again. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds went back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. When they came to worship, it changed everything. When they came to that place, their story changed. They went from an average night where they would have probably told nobody anything about what happened that night to this was the most amazing thing that took place. They, they were in a place of awe and wonder, something that, that, that couldn't even have words that, that could describe it, because worship leads us to wonder, and wonder leads us to worship. That's the power of coming together in worship. It's not just, it's, sometimes it is turning off a part of our, our, our cognitive planning and all of the, the, the different things we're always thinking through, and just allowing ourselves to be captured, to be and stand in awe of what took place. We talked about in the story, right, I mean in the song, long lay the world in sin and error pining, Right? That was the reality, that was the reality. But as the author writes, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Right, there's the moment, there's a moment where something changed, where something happened, he appeared, and all of a sudden we go from, from erring and, and sin and, and in struggle and, and our soul feels that worth. And then there's the, the most powerful line or one of those most dramatic lines in the song. You know what I'm talking about? What's this line? Fall on your knees, right? <laughs> That's why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but but it's, you have to be dramatic in that moment. But there is this powerful moment, like, literally, I mean, think about what this person is writing in the song, capturing that story. We're, we're in sin and we're in error. There's no hope. There's nothing. And all of a sudden he appears. Our soul feels its worth. And what's the response? It's worship. 
It's worship when we're weak in the knees, when we realize nothing else, it's not my head getting in the way, it's not my thoughts, it's not all my objections and doubts and fears and worries and sin and guilt and shame. I just, I'm just going to worship because he came for me. When was the last time you stood in awe of the Christmas story? When you stood in awe of what God did and didn't try to explain it, didn't try to have words for it, but just simply let your jaw drop and say, wow, God, I stand in awe of what you've done. Earlier we sang, How Great Thou Art. And I just think of that, that song, right? Oh, Lord, my God, when I, in awesome wonder, when I just consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I mean, just when I just consider it, when I think about it, right? And that, that line in that song, I scarce can take it. I can't even take it in, God. That's so powerful. Now, we can sing those things, and we can be all, you know, uh, you know just kind of mathematical on it and sing those words and say those lines, or you can be captured by it. And you can be allow, allow God to transform you in that. And when we experience that awe, when we experience that, wow, then wonders takes place. And all of a sudden, we move from that weariness, we move from that place where we had nothing left to realize we have everything to receive. And that's why Christ came. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, not to just get through it, not just to be exhausted by the time we get to January, uh, you know, one, and go, I'm glad that's done. No, let's, let's do these things. Let's be in the moment. Let's find times to be still and let ourselves be awed by this amazing story that, that took place on that first Christmas that has the power to change everything. Matthew 1.21 says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Just think about that. That is awe. <laughs> Whether you believe it or not, if that is true, if it was true, that changes everything. That someone came to save people from their sins. The Son of God, that is powerful. Worship opens our hearts to God's presence. We find that rest in him. We find that presence just as Christ came incarnate to be present with us and to restore in us an awe and a wonder that will lead us to worship in him. Are you weary? I know it's still at the beginning of the Christmas and the holiday season, but let's hold on to these. Maybe write these things down somewhere and see them and remind yourself to slow down. Remind yourself to be in the moment, not just to get through it. And come and make worship and awe be a centerpiece of your season. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, put a guarantee on it. God will move, though. He will. He will restore you in that way. Today, as we um, close our time, we're going to come to the table of worship at the communion table. And you might say, well, it's Christmas, and, you know, we're celebrating Christmas season, and why do we look at the cross right now? Is that Easter? Well, <laughs> Christmas without the cross is, is irrelevant. Christmas without the cross loses its meaning. Jesus didn't just come and kind of like go, oh, by the way, while I'm here, you know, I didn't, didn't know that the story was going to lead to the cross. God knew in his plan that the story would lead to the cross. That's what makes Christmas all the more remarkable, that Christ came in the form of a child and a, and a baby to grow, to be man, to understand our human condition, and yet to be the Son of God, and to know his whole life coming to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. That is the awe that is the wonder of Christmas. I want to read to you 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. There's only one person who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And that right time was Christmas. That right time was when Jesus entered this world and we celebrate that knowing he went to the cross to forgive us of our sins 
and to give us hope and to give us life. Let's celebrate and give thanks together today as we take communion. The bread reminds us of Christ's body that was broken for us. So let's stand in awe and give thanks of this gift. Jesus took the cup and he said, it's a new day, it's a new covenant. My blood spilled out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Let's give thanks this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe of who you are and why you came and what you've done for us. We just take a moment now just to be still and rest in your presence. Maybe you want to express in your own way, in your own heart to God right now what he's stirring in you. Maybe you express appreciation. Maybe you ask for forgiveness. Maybe you just thank him for this gift right now of his life for yours. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can celebrate the season together as your people, declaring this hope, declaring this good news. God, while the world and the busyness of the season wears us all down in different ways, help us to be the lights. Your people who know your truth, who've surrendered to you, God, being able to be light in those different places and allowing the wonder not to be lost. Restore that in us, we pray. And Father, any here today who don't know you, who don't have that hope, but have that opportunity today, God, to begin a new journey with you. Father, may your life just flood into their soul. May they experience the hope that is in you, the forgiveness that is found only in you, and the promise of life to the fullest now and for all eternity. God, may we, may we fully embrace that relationship with you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.